0: Well, good morning. Notice I got my, like, For the Valley sticker out. I'm like, shameless plug for For the Valley. Um, I want to begin by talking a little bit about our offering as a church. Uh, offering is a time in our service where we think about, like, all the things that God has given us. And in years past, we would pass an offering plate. You remember those days? Do you remember the really old ones where they had it on a stick? like? Like, yeah, it was like kind of creepy. Anyways, we, we don't pass an offering plate here at Shepherd of the Valley because our belief about offering is that what we want to do is we want to teach about like, biblical stewardship and care. And we, you know if, if a plate comes in front of you and you're like, oh, I better put something in, we don't want that kind of pressure at all. In fact, I, sometimes I make the mistake of saying, hey, if you need something, take it out. I don't know, you know. Um, but, but this idea of our offering is that when we bring our best before God, when we bring a portion of what he's first given us, it does three things for us. One, it reminds us that we don't need to be owned by the consumerism of the world, that actually God frees us and inoculates us from that. Two, it calls us into the mission of God's church and invites us to be a part of what he's doing in the world in all of its expressions of the body of Christ. And then three, it reminds us again that God owns everything and gives it to us to care and steward. So as we think about and pray for, we're about to pray over our offering as a church, I want to say to all of you, thank you. Thank you for faithfully bringing your offering, and as you fuel the ministry here, we've been able to do some amazing things, and I'm just so grateful as the pastor of this church that we get to steward those resources, not just money, but time. The things that you offer allow us to really accomplish the mission of connecting people to Jesus. So thank you. And then I also wanna say that we just came off of one of the best pledge years that we've ever had. And so I'm really excited about our forward movement as a church together, as we put every hour donated and every resource into loving people in the name of Jesus out in the valley. And so let's pause and pray over our offering as a church. God, we thank you for the gifts that you give us, for our time, our talents, and our treasures. And God, we pray that you would help us be faithful stewards as a church. Lord, we pray that every dollar that gets put in the plate and every hour offered in donation would be stewarded well, that you would use it for your kingdom and that you would use it to love people into your kingdom. And then, God, we pray as individuals and families that you make us faithful with everything you give us. Teach us the rhythms of your grace through our resources, and help us be a part of what you're doing out in the world. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're in this series called A Blessing and a Curse. Didn't Sam do a great job last week kicking that off? That was a good time. So a blessing and a curse, where we take this passage out of Deuteronomy, where God says, I set before you today a blessing and a curse. And then he says, like, one leads to life, one leads to death, choose life. And he invites us into this idea of a blessed life. Now, anyone in this room ever see, like, anything hashtag blessed on your social media feed? Does it, does it often look like things that God would be about? Like, usually it's not, right? In fact, the world's definition of blessing has gone sideways, that we've made it about things or about financial gain or health, wealth, and, you know, prosperity, and that is not the biblical picture of what God's talking about when he talks about blessing. And the reason why we're gonna spend this season, we may spend a year in this area, of like just understanding biblically from cover to cover what God means when he talks about blessing and how he wants to bless us and use us as a blessing into the world. And so in this mini-series, Origins, we're talking about the source, the beginning of, of how God initially uses this phrase and how, counter to what the world might think, The idea of blessing is far richer than stuff or health or prosperity in any way, shape, or form. It's actually about being connected with the living God who created all things. The first place that this word Baruch, or Barak, depends on you know, what context you're using it, um, appears in the Bible is in Genesis chapter one. In Genesis 1, it says God bless them. He's talking about the, the fish and all the birds of the air, and he says, be fruitful, increase in number, and fill the water in, in the seas, and let the birds increase upon the earth. And so the first thing that he blesses is the creatures he created, and he, his blessing somehow goes with it, this Life and this multiplication factor of exploding. Now, um, this is not necessarily about literal multiplication, right, but this is about God's life-giving momentum moving outward from him, that God wants to give life. Jesus says this even in John 10, I've come to bring life, super abundant life that overflows, this idea of blessing is first connected with this explosion of multiplication. Then the next time he uses the word blessed, um, Barak he says, God bless them. So he's talking to he just he's creating humankind. And he says, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. You see this image of like he created humankind, and then he tells them, Hey, you, you're blessed, and now I have a job for you. Um, and last week Pastor Sam talked about this. He said, You you have to kibosh. You have to kibosh it. And everyone's like, I know kibosh, I watch Seinfeld. Like, I know, you know, but when we kibosh something, we aren't cutting it off, actually. That the garden was designed to be teeming with life, overflowing, and then the human's job, man and woman together, was called to tend and care for it and to shape it and give it form, to work it. And so the image that Sam used last week was this, like, the, the, the world thinks of blessing as this plate of fruit of all the stuff, but actually what God gives us is seeds, and invites us through his presence to tend those seeds that are in us, the character, who he's made us to be, and that we tend that blessing and it explodes and multiplies with life. Now, the phrase that we used last week that I want to come back to is that blessing is not what we reach for, but actually blessing is who God says we already are. Adam and Eve received this blessing before they've done anything. They haven't done anything to earn God's favor. They haven't done a good job tending the garden. They were just created and God blessed them. You see, we, are tend, we can tend to think of blessing as like, hey, somehow we have to earn this or we do something and God blesses us. We make God happy, he gives us good things, right? Like, you know, and, and I do this with my kids. Like, hey, get straight A's. I'll give you, you know, I'm not gonna, parents, I'm not gonna say how much I give. Um, you give this amount of money, right, for your A's. Like, we, we live in that kind of world and for some good reasons, but in this case, that is not what God wants to say to us. That he claimed us and blessed us before we did a thing. And the same is true for you and I today. That you are blessed because God calls you and invites you close. We heard last week a, a, a definition from John Mark Comer about uh, the, the definition of blessing. I want to give you an alternative, another one, maybe a little like, I'm, a sl- I'm slow sometimes, so I need like a really simple uh, definition. Here it is, ready? That from God's perspective, blessing is about him drawing close to us. That's what it is. Blessing in the Bible is God's presence. That that word Baruch, it looks like this in Hebrew, um, Barak here, um, it it appears in the book of Genesis 72 times. Uh, The word blessing in the Bible itself, like in various languages and forms, appears over 590 times in your English Bible and the reason for that is it's one of the biggest topics of the Bible, blessing. It makes sense that we would twist it and get it wrong and somehow make it about what we earn, wouldn't it? But actually, the Bible wants to tell us again and again, God wants to draw near to you. He designed you to to receive life from him and to live whole and healthy um, in body, mind, spirit. Uh, You've heard me say before, you don't have a soul, you are a soul. The biblical word is nephesh, that God made us into a nephesh, a soul, and he wants to keep pumping life into you that everything you do bears his mark. And so we see the next thing that God blesses after he blesses humankind is he blesses a day. Seems kind of weird. Let's see what it says in Genesis. Genesis chapter one. God saw all that he had made and it was very good, which Each day he creates and God says, oh, it's good, it's good, which tov in Hebrew means it works, like that. this is good. And when he creates humanity, he says, ah, it's very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were complete in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work that he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from his work. Then God blessed the seventh day, and he made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. seems strange to me, like, anyone ever, like, you know, hear about, like, events in your community, like blessing of the pets, blessing of the, like, bikes. Anyone here, like, stuff like that? Uh, I had this friend, Nate. Um, we're in a doctoral program together, and he was telling stories, and he told us this story last week of how this, this guy who kind of would come to church from time to time, owned, like, this big club, said, hey, I want you to come out and do a blessing for us in my club. And so Nate, Nate's like, okay, yeah, Pastor Nate, come on out. So he comes out, and he walks to the back of this the, the outside and there's a 1,000 bikers, like motorcycles. And, and the guy's like, Pastor Nate is gonna bless your bikes. And Nate's like, what? <laughs> so he goes from motorcycle to motorcycle, and the guy made stickers. This bike was blessed by Pastor Nate. <laughs> and so do you know what we're doing? All my cohort, we're making blessed by Pastor Nate stickers um, for a graduation, and we're gonna all wear them. Anyways, I, I digress. But this idea like we want to bless things, but that isn't what God does. God in the Bible blesses people. In fact, this is the only time that I can find in the scripture where God blesses something other than a person. Now, why would that be? Why would God bless a day? I mean, I already talked about like how God is desiring and blessing to be close to us. So why would he bless something that's not a human? Ah, because us left to our own devices won't leave any room in our lives to experience the blessing of being of God being close to us. That we run so fast and hard that in the order of creation, that God created space. So Adam and Eve are created, and then um, they're created on the which day? Do you remember? I'll give you a hint. Say it loud. Six sixth day. They're created on the sixth day. They haven't done a lick of work. What's their first full day of life? The day of? Rest. Interesting. Does that that seem like the opposite of how we do it? Anyone like max out, and then when your tank's empty, you're like, I have to rest. But actually, we're designed to work far differently. Uh, This guy, uh, several years ago, used this analogy to talk about this design from work to work from being rested. Um, His name was Mike Breen, and he did it like this. He had like a pendulum, right? And so like, we're here on rest. This is the sixth day God is creating Adam and Eve. Then their first day is rest. And then now work, rest, work, rest, work, rest, work. That you and I are designed to work from a place of rest. But we turn that pendulum into something very different, don't we? That we stand here and we're like, work, 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 work. I'm only doing it this way because I can't do it this way. (laughs) You know, can anyone do this thing? I can't do this thing. And then my daughter will grab it and she'll be like, bam, 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 no problem. But here's the thing. We turn what God designed to be a rhythm into this paddle game that we can never win. Anyone in this room in the last couple years ever feel burnt out? Have you feel worn out? See, you were designed to be blessed to rest. And the reason why God blessed that seventh day right out of the get-go is to create space for him to come to you and be near you and to draw close to you. As you know, even in the way that the Hebrew thought thinks about the day, the day doesn't begin in the morning for the Hebrew thought. It begins, there was evening, there was morning. The day begins at sundown and ends at the following sundown. You see that the first thing we do in the day is we sleep, we rest. And so God designed us these rhythms of life and we burn ourselves out with the never-ending work. There's a reason why this is important for us One, God wants to bless us with his presence and be near us. He wants to draw close. But also, a second reason is that in God's blessing in our lives, it's an invitation for others. That was the whole biblical point. It's an invitation for them to see and experience that same blessing all throughout the biblical story, so you're gonna hear soon, you're gonna hear about Abram, or Abraham, and how God blessed him. His point in calling a people, in calling Abraham, in calling the church later, is that people would see the blessing of God's presence in our lives, and how that creates a whole and healthy rhythm, and how we love one another, and how we navigate the world, even in the midst of hard things, and they would want that. that. That was always the intent. It wasn't the attempt for Israel to be separate and be blessed and we're blessed and you're not blessed. It was so that all the nations would want to come close and be near God in the same way. And that is still true today. God wants the whole of the world to be blessed. And he's actually chosen to use you and I to carry that blessing, to put on display that blessing. But if we're busy thinking it's something health, wealth, and prosperity stuff, then we're always gonna be chasing something that isn't the actual blessing. The actual blessing is like in the midst of the hard things, like whose are we? When my kids go to school, usually when they get out of the car, when when I have presence of mind, I say be your best self and remember whose you are. The Bible says it this way in the way it gives its first blessing to the people. It's found in Numbers chapter six. You might recognize the word. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, Aaron was the first priest, and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace so they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. Whoa, we missed that line. You hear me give that blessing frequently, don't you? But the purpose of it, the reason for it is in that last line. So I will put my name on the Israelites. God wants to put his name on you. When I was a kid, I had G.I. Joes. You know, know, the little action figures? They're not dolls, they're action figures. (laughs) So, I had had action figures, you know. I play with my Transformers and my G.I. Joes. And on the butt of the G.I. Joe, it says, like, made in China, Hasbro, or something like that. It has their name on it. It's like God wants to, like, write, made by God. (laughs) Maybe a more modern analogy, like, you know, Andy in the Toy Story, like, they, they had the name on the foot, you know, where it says Andy. Like, God wants to write his name on you. Would you let him? in how you rest. He wants to remind you, I wanna draw near to you, I wanna bless you. The blessed life is that our name, that, that his name is written upon us. And that on God's heart is our name. Psalm says it, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. See, God is ascribing unsurpassable worth to every human, calling them to tend and care for the seeds and we keep screwing it up, you know? But God is gracious and comes to us even when we burn ourselves out and says, Hey, let me start you again. There was a season in my life where I I burnt out in ministry. Like I I hit a breaking point, and God had to graciously, through some caring friends like Mike and our friend Glenn, like kibosh me, (laughs) reshape me, and start again. You see, God designed us to have his name written on us. Can you pause and think about that? No matter what you're carrying today, no matter what the tapes play about you that you, you have playing at different times, or no matter what the stresses you have, no matter what you're mourning or what you're excited about, like all of those things, God wants his name on you. She's excited. <laughs> that God wants his name on you. And this is the heart of God. So the blessing of rest for us is an invitation to put down our tendency to worry. Because isn't there enough worry in the world? To put down our tendency to worry and simply be with God and be with each other, that's what the day of rest was designed for. Jesus, when he um, introduces his main teaching, the body of his teaching, in, in Matthew chapter five through seven, it's called the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus begins with identifying blessing. He says basically, blessed are you when you're a mess because you're at the end of your rope. He says, blessed are you in poor in spirit. Blessed are you when you mourn. Blessed are you when you're at the end of your rope. Blessed are you when you're persecuted for my name's sake. Blessed are you when you're meek. In that culture, all these lists of blessings would not be considered blessing. In fact, some of them would have been considered curses. That somehow you've made God mad and because you're going through this that he isn't with you anymore. Quite, and Jesus says quite the opposite. When you're at your worst, when you're barely hanging on, God wants to come in close. He wants to bless you and be with you. Maybe sometimes even to carry you through the hardest time. <laughs> Jesus goes on and he teaches about all these different subjects. And when he gets to worry, I made this connection as I was prepping for the sermon. I'm like, oh yes, this is why he blesses a day because if I don't have this day, if I don't have this designed rest, if I'm not slowing down and allowing God to fill space, what's gonna happen to me is I'm just gonna spin out on all these things. Anyone in this room worried about stuff? Hey, liars. <laughs> don't worry, Jesus loves you too. You see, like all of us, we, every single one of us, we're, we get spun up from time to time. And we wanna stuff it, that's called denial but Jesus wants us to learn how to rhythm it. And this is what he says in Matthew six. He says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air, they do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Just pause. Are you not much more valuable than they? God wants to write his name on you. When he writes his name on things, like, you know, you don't write your name on junk. Like, I think about my daughter who she'd paint these paintings for me, you know, write her name on it and bring it to me and say, see, Dad, see what I made? And God, like with this childlike grin, is holding you up and saying, see what I made. So why would we worry? We're much more valuable to him. Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? In fact, quite the opposite. Data tells us that we take time from our lives by our worry. And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field, they grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon and all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? And the danger for us whenever we hear that phrase, oh you of little faith, is somehow God's like, you of little faith. Like Anyone in this room like, I, I don't have enough faith. Anyone ever thought that? Guess what, it is not about how much faith you have. It is actually about who you put that faith in. Because Jesus says even the f- faith like a mustard seed will move mountains, right? And when he says you have little faith, he's like hey, I got you. I'm big faith, you're little faith, it's cool. Like oh you have little faith. So don't worry saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans, and the word there is the nations, all the nations run after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. I think, does anyone forget that in this room? That even as I begin to pray, like I'm like, God, here's my list. I don't even know what to pray right now. But yet God already knows what I need. And sometimes it's not what I'm asking for, amen? (laughs) That he knows what we need. So then he offers a thought. Jesus says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. What he's saying is like, hey, why would we worry? Because God wants to bless us in rest. And having a day of rest is really God inviting us to have space in our lives for him to remind us of this again and again, among a whole other host of topics. But for me, when God carves out that space for me and blesses me, I can then bear that blessing out to the rest of the world. So with my remaining minutes here, I wanted to offer just kind of four practical things that you and I can think about as we create space for blessing and we stop pounding the paddle ball and fall back into the rhythm. The first one is don't do what the Pharisees did. Don't make it into a new law. Like, can I do this on my day of rest or this on my day of rest? Can I, can I kindle a fire? Can I, is it okay if I look at my email? I don't know, I, you know what, am I gonna get in trouble? Is God gonna be mad at me? Then we're doing the same thing. We're doing the exact same thing. We're, we're creating cycles of spin. Don't make it into a new law. Like Jesus invites us close. And then two, that a day off is not the same thing as a Sabbath. Sabbath is an intentional creating of space for us to be with God and with each other. Anyone have a to-do list on the day off? I can show you mine. Like We can numb pain. We can avoid dealing with ourselves and being with ourselves just as much with day off stuff as we do with work stuff, can't we? We can hobby ourselves into no connection at all with with friends or with God or with our spouses or our loved ones. That it is not the same as a day off. I keep a day off, that's Saturday, Michelle usually owns that, or maybe a hunting trip. And, and then I keep a, a Sabbath, and most days it's Friday. And guys, I have to say too, these four things, like I'm a learner in this. Like I, there are days when I'm hitting that paddle ball too. So like I don't have this down, I'm learning. I'm learning the rhythms of grace. But then the third one is that we have to plan our rest. Anytime I do a wedding, I always talk about this. Like plan your rest before you plan your work. I plan your vacations. You have something to look forward to. Guess what, guys? In two weeks, I get to go to San Diego for Michelle's birthday. It's warm there. Praise Jesus. (laughs) But we we look forward to these rhythms of space and rest. And we create these spaces so that God will fill them with a reminder that he has never left us. And so we plan our rest before we plan our work. And then finally, consider who and what you will say yes to. That in this space we've created, that, that we have to, our yes is only as good as our no. And so we have to say no to some sometimes really good things. I was talking with Mike, who uh, is here with us today for Christians last day, um, and he, he was telling me he has to say no to technology on his day of rest. I was like, ooh, I don't know about that. That's gonna be really hard, <laughs> you know. But, but what do we have to put down to say yes to creating space? The blessing of rest is an invitation for us to put down our tendency to worry and simply be with God and with each other. So then what do you have to put down in this season? I want to go into a time of prayer where we can offer God all the things we get spun up about and invite him to create a little extra space of rest in us. In Matthew 11, Jesus says this. He says, are you weary? Are you worn out? Are you burnt out on religion and things? This is the the message translation. He says, then take my yoke upon you, my way, for my burden is easy and my way is light. You see, God designed us to bear the weight of his presence, not of all the stuff that we want to throw on top of it. But that begins by letting him create that space for us and let us be blessed. So let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the rhythms of grace that you've given us. We thank you that you, the predominant message of the scriptures is that you wanna bless us, you wanna be with us, and you, through us, you wanna be with the whole world. Lord, we confess that sometimes we, we don't allow space for our awareness of that or view. Lord, we offer you whatever it is right now that has got us spun up. In your mind's eye, friends, I want you to imagine what you worry about most, I want you to lay that at the foot of the cross, hand it over to God. Jesus, don't let us take it back. Help us to be blessed by you and rest. Help us to put down the paddle that drives us and receive instead your yoke, your rhythms. Come close to us and hold us. And Lord, when we fail, pick us up, dust us off again and start us again. We thank you for your grace. We pray all these things in Jesus' name because he cares for us. Amen.